0: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help people like you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. If this is your first episode, welcome. Super excited to have you here. You could be listening to any other podcast, but you're hanging out with us today, so you are awesome. And if you're returning, you are also awesome, because anyone who listens to this show is pretty awesome, and I appreciate your support for returning every single week. And today, you and I get to hang out with Tony banta tony banta is a systems engineer innovation consultant and host of the client whisperer show beginning his career as a self-taught software developer tony quickly realized that the best code could never solve broader leadership issues within organizations today tony works with other client businesses to maximize client results Increase client retention and streamline the client fulfillment experience. Tony's writing has been featured in Forbes, the Huffington Post, and Recruiter Magazine, to name a few. And in this episode, as always, I want you to look out for three specific things. Thing number one, what Thor's hammer has to do with helping your clients to have better success and why if you're currently selling Thor's hammer to your clients, you're actually doing them a disservice. Number two, Tony gets super brave and gets vulnerable with us on something negative that happened in his childhood, but after years of work on it, he realized that the negative experience is actually what helped create the superpowers that he now leverages in his business today. And number three, Tony walks us through five steps each client must go through to actually achieve success, and you can't skip any of the steps, otherwise that's probably where you're having issues. And before we dive into all that goodness, I want to give a pre-show listener shout out, which this week goes to CFO Patty, a previous guest on the show. Always love it when I get a review from a previous guest. So thank you so much, Patty. Uh, She left a review saying, Brandon knows how to make the most of his time with guests. His style is conversational and elicits the best info from his guests for all the benefit. Thanks for keeping it light and informative for all entrepreneurs. So thank you so much, CFO Patty, and for being a guest on the show. And if you're listening to this and you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, you can go to sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review that has all the instructions to leave a review. And that's seven, the number seven figure dot com slash review. And if you choose to leave a review, not only will it make my day, it'll help other people to discover the show. And I might give you a pre show listener shout out in the future, but I also will give you a goodie. If you've ever been wondering how the heck do you get all these guests on the show? I reveal exactly how you can do that so you can grow your business and get the high level connections you need to take things to the next level. So all that is at seven figure millennials.com slash review but with all that said please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend tony banta if you had to pick between a making a ton of money b being happy healthy and surrounded with people you love or c making a meaningful impact on the world which would you choose The good news is that today, we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Figure Millennials podcast. Tony, welcome to the show, my friend. Super excited to have you here. It's great to see you, Brandon. Yeah, this is going to be so much fun. And uh, before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to Caitlin Kogan Dobner, who, if you guys are listening to this, long-time listener, she was episode number 14. And she sent me a message, and I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase, but this is the message that Caitlin sent to me when she introduced me to Tony. She said, I have another fantabulous guest. I can hear her saying that in my in my head. So I have another fantabulous guest for your show. Tony, Tony Banta just knocked out of the park for their uh, interview that they had just done. Um, and the, the the topic, she was, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase a little bit, but she said she is the king of class client successes, and and you'll adore him. So we had a call a while back, and uh, now Tony is here hanging out with us today. So super excited to dive in. And I thought a fun place would be to start would be in both what you had told me a little bit up beforehand, Tony, and another episode I listened to you on a show that you had recorded for, I found out that you recorded or you started your first business at age 12 and you started it in software development. So I, I, I've met a fair handful of entrepreneurs and I've never met a 12-year-old software developer. So how did that happen? And tell us a little bit about that background and how you got your entrepreneurial start.
1: Yeah, uh, blast from the past. Um, it's it's funny in that when I tell people that I have the you know twenty some years of experience, and they look at the lack of you know wrinkles on my <laughs> face. Um, the, although I do have some gray hair coming in, which I'm super excited about, I have to say. Uh, but I, I, uh, it's not, I'm not, you know, making that up. I'm not, you know, counting the, you know, like years where I worked 80 hour weeks is, you know, two years, the, you know, like it's actually um, the truth. It was, it was, I think, I think a lot of it was boredom, um, you know, more than anything else. Um, I think it was boredom. And uh, um, I, I hated restriction. I like hated the feeling of like being restricted. Um, so I, I, you know, like my parents would say that like, no, we're not buying you, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just make, I'll just make my own money and then I'll buy and then I'll buy X, Y, and Z. Uh, and in school, I, you know, being a somewhat precocious kid, I actually, and I think I did this without even telling my parents, I joined the local chamber of commerce and I, um, and then I I went to my school and said the, you know I have this the, like I have this like membership and like these are really like serious business obligations that I have to do so I'm gonna have to leave school like every week at 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 this time from this time <laughs> and this time from this time <laughs> and I talked them into it so I I um uh was I you know put on a suit you know back then was important um don't wear those very much anymore but that's a, a sign of the times and uh, and the, yeah I was able to. To, uh, but it was it was uh, self taught too. I was was I think that was part of the the you know boredom. I, I, I saved up enough money, you know, bought a laptop on eBay. to like taught myself from you know books that I could get, and uh, and then like uh, worked for the next few months to buy a new laptop, and then worked to you know the next thing, the next thing.
0: That's so funny. And I think we share a similar experience kind of growing up because, you know, there were times when I just had to figure out how to make something. And and back then I was frustrated that like my parents like wouldn't get me the thing or whatever. But now I realized I was like, oh my God, that was the best entrepreneurship training best. you could ever get. <laughs> it's just like, you yeah. know, when, when you have lots of my friends just had things given to them. And I see some of the yeah. things that they, the, the career decisions that they've made, but it's just like when you're 12 years old and you want something, I feel like kids are naturally creative. And so by, by your parents' Fueling that in you, and then allowing you to, you know, pursue this entrepreneurial endeavor of yours at this really young age is really, really cool. And for my understanding, you grew up in a family of entrepreneurs as well. Is that correct?
1: I did. Yeah, Um, they were all. There were always multiple, you know, multiple businesses which. Also meant that there were multiple, you know, fires and, mul- yeah. <laughs> and multiple the you know ups and downs all happening, uh, which is is uh, fun. It sort of also means that I think it's impossible when you come from that world to actually do anything else. That like yeah. you're just completely unemployable. That you know once <laughs> you've you've normalized that skill set.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we're going to skip way ahead from, from age 12, you we were doing software development and we're going to kind of just jump into where we are today. And so maybe w- we can fill in some gaps, but you know, yeah. this, this, when Caitlin first introduced you and I, the, the topic that she was so enamored with that you provided for, for her, her group was how to double your revenue without selling any new clients. And I love this topic so much because so much of entrepreneurship or many people earlier on in their entrepreneurial careers are always thinking about how to do more sales, how to do more marketing, and that's all well and good. And you can, and absolutely should do that. But there, as I've learned more levels of sophistication when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know, this is where, you know, the conversation that you come in, I had somebody else on the show is talking about from the financial perspective, how to add more money yeah. back into your business without doing any more sales. So this is a really fun topic here. And I know you come from, uh, uh, a, a, like a lifetime value of a customer perspective. So maybe just share a little bit about, and give us some context about the kind of work you do in this ecosystem and how we can totally. double our revenue without selling any new clients.
1: <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't want, who doesn't want twice the uh, revenue, right? Right. <laughs> That's, uh, um, I, I love this, the, like this topic that, you know, this branch of the, of, um, the you know, entrepreneurship and really it is still selling and it is still marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, but it is so rarely talked about. And that, you know, you, like you said this, there's, there's so much, there's so much airspace. There's so much of the conversation is around how to do the front end marketing and the front end selling. And that's of course important. You can't have a business without those, like those things you know, at some level. Um, but once someone becomes a client, it's almost like everybody forgets. And I'll explain, I'll explain in a little bit why this, this actually happens because there's a certain science to this, but It's almost like client leaders, the business owners, entrepreneurs suddenly just forget everything that they already do in marketing. Once the client becomes a client and they don't communicate with them the same way, they don't inspire them the same way. They don't help them problem solve in the same way. Like the amount of problem solving that you'll do on a a sales call with someone when you're about (laughs) to like make a big sale and help them problem solve is, is huge. Right. Um, and there are a bunch of reasons for that and we can go into, you know, like as many as you think are applicable, but it, there's like this post-sale amnesia that like happens in the space and some of what I'm on a a little bit of a personal mission to, you know, make sure that, um, that like as many client leaders, you know, like people that, that like lead the people that they, you know, that they serve, um, that, as many of them can you know hear is is if, if, you, if you stop tracking, if you stop all of those things that you develop really great skills at once the sale is made, you're not only missing you know double the profit, if not more, the, you know, on the back end, and usually it's actually way more. Uh, you're also underserving your clients. And that's not a critique necessarily. Sometimes people can you know, take that and like be like, "What are you talking about? I have great client success rates." Or you know, people they're like, "Look at my testimonial page. People love me," and I'm sure that's all true. But if we look at what is possible, if we looked at at if we looked at that, like just a little bit more leadership, just a little bit more of the the missing pieces that are really easy to not see when it's it's. You, when it's your curriculum, when it's your genius that you feel like that you're fulfilling, um, I would even go so far as to say impossible for you to see, you know, when you're there based on some of what we've seen, practically impossible. Um, if you miss that, there is another level of that, you know, breakthrough um, that can actually change your, you know, change your market, you know, change your tribe in ways that, that, you know, you never even could imagine
0: yeah just to put like this in super super simple language, I always try to make it super simple, but it's like you think about the metrics that really matter in a business. Um, you know one of them is your cost to acquire a customer, right? And then another key metric is your lifetime value of your customer, right? And so the more that you can extend the lifetime value of a customer without having to increase your amount of ad spend, that's how you can literally double your profit is by keeping a client that would normally have a three-month retention rate and taking that to six months. Think about how much less headache it is to just create an incredible guest experience and make them want to come back more and more and more. Uh, So that's what I'm really excited to kind of dive into this. So, But before we kind of go right into that, I know you come from... uh, a systems engineering perspective as well. So I kind of want to before we now we have like the teaser, let's kind of talk a little bit about how you came to do this kind of stuff because I know you kind of deal with the intersection of your your systems thinking and the leadership understanding. So how did you get to arrive to this whole thing of what you're doing out and then we'll dive into some of the stuff.
1: Yeah, so the you know, I know from some of our previous conversations and from the, you know, listening to some of your, the, um, um, a uh, uh, long listener, first-time caller, um, here, um, of the show, Brandon, <laughs> awesome. um, the, from, you know, hearing some of your story, the, I think the, you know, one of the places that, that, I think is really valuable. And, and I'd like to get a little bit vulnerable The like with your, that like with everybody listening, mm-hmm. a big part of that for me came from childhood abuse. Mm. The, um and how does systems have anything to do with that? You know, childhood abuse, right? The, the, you know, growing up in a, the, you know, when I was um, super young, I had an alcoholic father um, who I now have, have, The, you know, through doing the work, the, you know, through doing the, the, you know, through, you know, hitting my head against the wall for a long time and Mm -hmm. like getting the work on the other side, um, I've learned to, you know, love and deeply appreciate, you know, for, for even the worst of experiences that I would never wish on that, you know, somebody, but that is, but that, that like was, um, such a gift in disguise that, you know, once I was able to make some of the shifts um, that through growing up in some of that experience and seeing what happens to someone that, you know, in the, the micro stages of the micro, the, you know, cycles of like an alcohol, like if somebody that has an unhealthy relationship with, that like with anything really, it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be like, it doesn't need to be alcohol. It could be, you know, people, places or things. It could be someone that has an unhealthy relationship with the, you know, their iPhone, which is a lot of people at times Yeah, um, is me every night that I take my phone into the, uh, into the bedroom instead of, instead of leaving it in the office. Um, but the, living with someone who has, you know, like an out of control, that like unhealthy relationship, mm. the, and having feelings of safety that are tied to that, you get a sixth sense of what's going on in their head. You get a sixth sense of the, the systems that lead to that, like looking at the patterns, looking at the trends that lead to those things, because the perceived, the, you know, safety is that like, is like hinging on that. So there's so much, which, you know, like, again, I would never, I have a baby daughter. I will, that like, I will see to it in, in, you know, every single fiber of my being that, you know, she is never abused by anybody, you know, mm-hmm. as long as I have a say in the matter. Um, and the, you know, for me, I can now look at those things with an appreciation of the, the, you know, of the skills and the superpowers that that actually can, that can breed the, the, you know, like played out, you know, decades later.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for, for being so open and vulnerable. And I, I view vulnerability as one of the highest strengths. So I know that's not easy to share. And in the few episodes I listened to you, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you talk about this. So when we're talking about, hey, what, what a systems engineering happened. I was like, whoa, I didn't I didn't expect that. So thank you so much. Because I think that is so powerful for people to understand. And this is a conversation I had with someone yesterday, but it's like the stories that you attach to your experiences are absolutely everything right and you can either choose to ignore those things that happened to you in the past and or you can do the hard thing and you can go and muck it up and and really sit in it which you like most of us you don't want to even go there but but like think about how much more powerful it would be for you listening to this right now if you have something that's mucking in your past that you don't even want to think about that's just kind of there what if instead of that being this damaging thing that you never want to think about you took that and you reframed it and is something that is so powerful for you, and it seems like Tony, that's what you've been able to do is you've been able to explore that, and your systems thinking came with the the way that you naturally had to deal and problem solve with the, with the, the environment that you had growing up. So was that an immediate realization that, or just walk us through for somebody that hasn't done this work yet? How did you sure. come to that understanding that this was actually how you came to think this way? I think some of it actually was was you know completely like I think that's really the
1: last the you know, the last 10 years of a realization, if I'm being, you know, if I'm being honest, um, um, is the the connection between those two. I think for a long time, I just seemed like a nerdy, the, you know, systems-minded kid. The, you know, for me, systems were the the you know, technology and the computer, at least how that like how that manifested. And I had my own, you know, I had my own instincts and my own triggers about people. But when I was able to connect some of the dots and in the, you know, actually learning some of the the systems engineering theory, the, you know, some of the, uh, especially, um, especially abstract systems, the, like the idea that like everything in the universe is a system that is you know playing out, and it means that they all the, like obey the you know some rules, and once we can understand that and think of things that way, the, you know, and have a level of detachment from the results, we can actually affect or manipulate that system for our you know for our benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, in our our uh, mutual friend Caitlin's episode, she talked a lot about the uh, mindset and uh, manifestation. That's a perfect example of this. The, like the relationship of the world inside of our head and the weird, you know, maybe grounded in quantum physics. You know, maybe grounded in spirituality. Maybe the you know all of these maybes that we don't that we don't have scientific fact around exactly yet. Um, but the weird relationship between what happens in our mind and what happens in the world is a system, and the way that we know that is we can try something. We can, you know, we can choose to take on a different worldview or a different paradigm for a day and see was that day better or was that day worse? You know, we can play that out for you know ten days. Were those ten days better or worse? And and so it's it's the same kind of thing no matter what we're looking at. The, but what sits underneath that is a realization that. That everything is solvable. You know, there is no situation that is the you know too bad to be uh, uh, to uh, be made better. Uh, and so, really, it just comes to you know what do we have a tolerance for, and what do we have a drive and a vision to see the you know made possible.
0: Yeah, I love that. And and just to kind of pick apart some of the language that you just used there, when you said everything is solvable, you talked about breaking down the system into its smallest components. I think lots of the time we think about these problems as these like monsters with hydras with multiple heads, and you don't even know where to start. But I love what you, you kind of briefly touched on, or maybe I just kind of picked up on this without even you yeah. you mentioning it is like choosing the you can go really big, but you can choose to zoom in on a small component of a problem and really expand on that area. And it becomes a lot more manageable to solve a component of a system rather than the entire thing at once. So is that is that kind of something that totally. you are you do a lot all the time with your clients? Is that kind of stuff? all the time.
1: The, and here's a, you know, here's a super helpful tool. Um Stephen Covey talks about this um in his um um uh, 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 legendary author the uh, of the book 7 Habits of Highly Effective People. Um the sphere of of influence versus the sphere of concern. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I may have a sphere of concern around the, you know, global warming. I may have a sphere of concern around, you know, racism. But I, I can't solve I can't fight that, right? I can't like, I can't solve either one of those problems on my own in the context of what I can affect this year mm-hmm. that like at least when we're looking at the, you know something that big. And in fact, if I try to, right? if I go screaming through the streets and say to everybody, there's global warming, what are you doing?" the it'll probably actually turn people off, right? It'll probably just it'll probably just increase. Uh, fox News viewership um you know for the street that you know that I am running down because people are going to say, "Oh, look, a crazy person, you know <laughs> let me listen to somebody who who the you know who like says the opposite of you know what this crazy person is saying, so that's the the um that's the sphere of influence versus sphere of concern, and actually what happens when we the 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 sphere of influence being the subset of the sphere of concern. So if I'm concerned with you know, global warming, I have the means and I have the desire to buy an electric car. The, you know, that is like, like, did I do that solely because of like, because of global warming? Like, like, no, like I did that because it was super safe. It was, you know, a good decision for my, you know, for my family, it was fun to drive, but it was in my, that like, it was something that I could do to at the very least learn more, about some of these you know some of these technologies and um and the the really important principle when we use that the, the like that idea is the more we stay in our sphere of influence our sphere of influence grows the more mm-hmm. we live outside of it our sphere of influence shrinks you know just in my you know running down the street example the, you know that would actually like hurt the cause or at the very least hurt my ability to actually have a conversation with somebody and ask them, you know, questions about the way they make decisions.
0: Yeah, and I love this. Is already starting to tie some things together. At least in my mind, it's like it again. It can be daunting either in what we already talked about with your you you know being vulnerable and sharing your story. Is like you can you can you can zoom in on one small. Like childhood is a very nebulous word. (laughs) There's a lot that goes into whatever your childhood was, but if there was just one small component, that's something that's a lot more manageable. And same with business. You know, the other thing that we were talking about before, it's like you could you could focus on all these different systems, or you could choose to hone in on you know the the thing that you've focused in on, or at least the rest of this conversation is uh, you know, how we're going to focus on increasing the lifetime value of a customer by creating incredible leadership and creating more um, totally. opportunities to add value to people that are already inside of our ecosystem. So love that. Um, so l- let's kind of start shifting towards some of the, the content that you have here on uh, being a better client leader. So I-, I don't know if this is a messy question to kick this off, but would you mind telling us a little bit about Thor's Hammer and what that has to do with client leadership? <laughs> you bet and i'm actually uh
1: if we were in my um if we were in my other office today i'd be able to point right behind me and 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 show you an actual toy thor's hammer um uh and uh the because it is something that we use you know very often to show to um uh, clients to really drill this point home so for anyone who you know might be a a marvel fan um uh, which is 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 a lot of people but certainly not a prerequisite for you to understand the point part of the mythology of thor's hammer is it can only be picked up by someone who is worthy and we see this in the, the we see this in the movies sometimes where the like when to the like when the like thor doesn't want a bad guy to like get away like he'll and like the bad guys on the ground they'll just like set the hammer on his chest right <laughs> and, like he can't move because he can't like lift the uh, hammer and uh how that plays out the you in know, actually one of the the um the first uh, thor movie if anyone wants to go back and watch the uh, uh that came out you know maybe two thousand and eight two thousand nine somewhere and that maybe a little bit later i i get murky with that but uh, uh thor was going through a a the you know rough patch in his he was in his the you know selfish self absorbed kind of the you know i'm a god and like no one can and no one can touch me kind of phase and so that's when his father um, the, that's when his father, like actually that like made that change to his, the, to his hammer and he spends the rest of the movie essentially getting worthy that like learning how to have compassion, learning those values that he had, but that were that you know, that were, you know, mucked up, right. That were, there was something in the way that like of him being able to, you know, live in those values. So how that relates to client service is that a lot of times those of us that are that are client leaders in the the you know the and like it doesn't matter the, you know, like when I say this right like it it the the client a client leader is super vast in the way that I refer to it um, like we could be talking about you know traditional client businesses lawyers doctors accountants we could be talking about you know coaches consultants we could also be talking about the you know digital agencies you know most of the millennial, the, you know, entrepreneur sort of, of, uh, space I see is, is made up of client businesses. Uh, and we see client leaders who have a sales conversation with someone and they say something along the lines of, Hey, do you want to, do you want to be an Asgardian God? And then someone's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, it sounds amazing. And they're like, okay, I got just the thing. It'll be a hundred K. Oh, it sounds like a lot, but I could make a lot more money if I'm an Asgardian god. Oh, yeah, you definitely can. All your problems, you know, gone, right? <laughs> You're literally a god, lowercase g. The uh, And so then they say, great, here's my, you know, 100K. And then they like hand them to the hammer, right? And then they go, they go plumbing to the floor. <laughs> because they can't actually lift the hammer because you gave them the thing you gave them the strategy, the tactic, you gave them the tax, like you gave them the process tax returns. You gave them the, you know, the Facebook ads that you ran, but what you didn't do is help make them worthy of the tool because they're only going to get success when they have both of those two things.
0: Yeah. So man, there's so much, I I love starting with that because it's like, okay, now there's so many questions of like, how can we make our clients more worthy? And how can we um, you know, not be someone that just sells Thor's hammers. That <laughs> that actually is uh, detrimental to client success if we're approaching things that way. So. Um... And I know we don't have time for this in the entire interview, but I know you recently released a new course called "Legend: Legendary Client Leaders." And you, you in there, you outline four steps that you help people to create legendary results. And and so, would you mind maybe diving into the? Maybe, let's just maybe start with the first one: is how to coach, because that is that is the first component of understanding how to allow people to increase their value, so that they can become more worthy of actually wielding this hammer or whatever the tool or result that you're helping people get. So when it comes to us securing a client. You can go listen to Caitlin's episode. If you want to learn how to do some sales and that kind of stuff. Like, let's say we have our client now, how can we actually set them up for success? Uh, not only to create a, you know, a, a good testimonial, but, but also to really set them up for getting to that next level in their life. And maybe that could mean like more lifetime value by, by going into some of your other programs as well. Totally. And,
1: and this is such a great, this is such a great question. And, 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 the, even before we get into what you do with your client, sure. I think there is a really important frame, a really important paradigm to have, which is being clear on who's responsible for the results. Which is a, which is a little bit of a boundaries question, right? Boundaries are are huge in systems. That like when we look at the like the boundary of like one system versus another, so that we look at the like what is actually influencing the results that we are you like that we're testing for, and it's really important to never forget that at the end of the day, even if you have a done for you service, like where you're actually doing something or your team is doing something on, on your client's behalf, they're responsible for their own success and for their own transformation. Mm. And the second that that shifts, that that feeling of responsibility shifts in either your client or in you, you're done. They're like, game over. There's no way to, like, there is no way For your client to achieve real transformation from that space. So now that doesn't mean that you don't, that you don't have a responsibility to deliver what you promised that you know accurately on time, the you know, in a form that is, you know, like that is like in keeping with you know what you promised. It also doesn't mean that you're off the hook for affecting or manipulating or improving the system of how to actually get results, right? Like the the so and and here's the double, here's sort of the double layer of responsibility that that sometimes people take some of these things when I say it. And then they either are like, well, I'm completely responsible, or they take these things and then they're like, oh, he said I'm not responsible. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> <happens." the> <laughs> And the answer is somewhere in the middle. The answer is you're responsible for the system that is going to get your client's results. Mm-hmm. And you need to be, or we could call it the process that's going to get your client's results. And the, what I, the, when we coach our clients around being a legendary client leader to us, that means that you're on a continuous improvement cycle. That like you're on a cycle. It doesn't need. To, it, in, in fact, it shouldn't be. You know, daily shouldn't even be weekly. But you know, every few months, you know, every six months, the it's really important to be looking at the what are the client results? What are the percentage of outstanding results that, of course, we highlight in our marketing and we you know tell everybody. And then, what's the percentage of people that that. The, you know struggle to ever get something even close to what we you know what we describe. And then how can we affect that? How can we affect that um, statistically? How can we affect that with a level of of detachment? And that's the level of responsibility that I want to coach everybody to have because that is what knowing that you do that is what allows you to be on the one-on one call with a client. And both have a level of confidence that the process works and also be totally detached from the, you know, what's happening specifically with that one client, because we're just playing out the process, right? Like in that moment where we're there with the client, we're a line cook at McDonald's that like, we're just doing the thing that's in the procedure. We're doing the thing that we do reps on a thousand times. If we are like, if we're like any good and that frame is really and that separation is is really critical to avoid all of the reasons that we usually see of why people tend to distance themselves from clients and from client results as soon as they can afford to. Um, or one of the biggest reasons why you know people never get you know to the million dollar mark is because they do it before they can even before they can even afford to the you know where they just you know create that distance, you know ignore, the, like ignore clients, avoid some of the hard truths.
0: Mm-hmm. I love how you started before, like, like let's not even talk about the the four steps yet. Let's start like before that. And another thing I'll add to that is client selection. And like that, that's a huge thing too. Is like what you know, obviously, like if you look at your business from systems, and another guest shared like an outside and slightly elevated perspective. Like if you kind of like peeked down at your business and if it was kind of laying on a table, what would it look like? So, like if we can kind of view the client success system is what Tony was just talking about is like, we haven't entered that system yet. You know, we're just talking about the the mindset beforehand, but another system is like, you know, what we're talking about beforehand is selection is key. And so there's kind of like, maybe that's a, that's a whole separate conversation. So I'm trying not to go all over the place, but like there's, there needs to be a process to, audit and allow the right people into your world, because if you don't allow the right people into your world to begin with, it doesn't matter how good your system is. And you're just going to think you're a shitty system engineer, <laughs> but you put the wrong input to begin with. Uh, so that's another thing I just wanted to add on top of that. I don't know if you, you've you experienced that yourself as well, Tony.
1: <laughs> so true. So, so incredibly true. And like anybody that has worked with any kind of a, like system or like with any kind of, of. Um, you know, especially in the, the computer programming space, um, the, the, you know, they will, there's an expression that we have garbage in garbage out. Yep. And the, the, like that is, 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 you know, like absolutely true, unequivocal. And when you are in that kind of continuous improvement cycle and you're looking at those results, you're able to do two things really well, both expand the range of clients that you can realistically bring in as well as know where that floor is, like know where that, that like where that lower bound is of the kinds of people that you realistically want to work for. Because we get to set that, that like, we like we can't control everything, but we can control the people that show up on our calendar. We can control the people that we, you know, that we send a, you know, payment link to, you know, we can, you know, like, even when they come in, if we like look at them, like, if we look at them, their business, they like their life, their feel like their values. We can always say, Hey, I looked at this and I truly don't think that our program is the best fit for you. I want to refund your money. And I want to send you the, you know, these other resources, mm-hmm. we have 100% control over that. It's also important. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, the. Uh, you know, like I feel like I'm uh, you know am constantly balancing both sides of this although that is a lot of what this process is it, it is that it's finding that uh, middle path um on the flip side we don't want to say well I'm never bringing on anyone who I don't know is going to get great results because that like I the and this, like this, gets a little bit. Like this, gets into a little bit of spirituality and like a little bit of 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 like my worldview in that. And and I'm sometimes I'm a little bit you know careful about like where and when I share that. but it's you know when I look at a client, I see like it's like the old song. i remember the old uh, the old '90s song, um, uh, "What if God was one of us?" Like just a stranger on the bus. Every time I'm sitting with a client, I'm looking at God in the face. That, mm. like I'm seeing that like I'm seeing pure love, pure potential. And if I can't see that, if I'm an, like if I'm annoyed, if I'm the like if I'm I'm limiting their potential, if I'm letting my own head trash that like somehow limit the the like the potential for their success, the, you know, then that's something that I have to clean up before I ever have a chance of mm. that like leading them to those results. So that, like we sort of have to, you know, have both of those two things. Um And, you know, just because they have infinite potential also doesn't mean that we're the best ones to help them. And that's the balance that we get to find.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I, I I don't know if I've ever heard the song, but I'm a huge Bruce Almighty fan. And like <laughs> he sings that in Bruce Almighty. So like I know that lyric because because uh, Jim Carrey sings that that one thing when he's really excited. So it's funny. And I, I love I love that you added that as well. I think that's super, super powerful. And and it, it's always about this balance. It seems like that's a that's a theme. So there's several themes I'm already sensing. This theme of balance of like, you know, whose responsibility is it? It falls in the middle. There's also this other uh, theme that I'm seeing emerging in this conversation, which is creating boundaries, right? Like creating boundaries within the system, creating boundaries within how you manage clients. Um, and then also, you know, some of these other components that that we, we can dive into here. So I don't know, uh, Tony, what you think the best way to approach this would be, but you have like the, these four steps to legendary results. Um, do, do you want to maybe give a high level overview of, of a few of them? And I can kind of, totally if you want, and, and yeah, well, how much we can squeeze in would be great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the you know when we step back and we look at the journey that our, our clients are on there's always a mix of of just like we were talking about in the the you know Thor's hammer example. There's there's always a mix of the tactics that we have to you know teach the skills that we need to help a client you know develop um And then the mindset support, the, you know, the emotional, the like journey of achieving success. And this doesn't matter what we're helping the like, this doesn't matter what we're helping clients with, you know, if we're serving clients and we're in a higher ticket example, right? Like if it's a, if it's a, the more of a commodity it is, the, the, like the less that transformation is really important. And so that the less that some of the supplies, but you know, when you're offering a transformational result, there are are four important stages that your clients have to go through for them to actually be able to get to that other side. Hmm. And just like we talked about boundaries, and just like we talked about focusing in on the on the uh, sphere of influence around something, if somebody doesn't have uh, the you know something, the like these are sequential. So if somebody doesn't have the first one, if we're trying to solve the second one in there then we're actually in the wrong place. Like so like we're actually outside of our the sphere of influence. And what that means is we're actually harming the end result or or the you know distancing the client from their result because we're solving something in the wrong in the wrong order. So um, high level overview, four shifts that someone has to go through is they need to have the motivation to achieve the result, to like get to the finish line. They need to have the clarity to know what it's going to take, you know, for them to actually get there. They need to have what we call activation or the, you know, when the, the you know, when the procedure or the checklist actually like is like manifest in somebody's, like in somebody's actions and their behaviors and their patterns of thought. And then fourth, success. And then there's sort of a fifth, maybe we'll get to that later of sharing that, that like once someone reaches success. It's really important. Um, if we look at the most successful transformational programs that have ever existed, we're talking about programs like um, Jenny Craig. We're talking about programs like Alcoholics Anonymous. We're talking about the, like programs where there are like where literally millions of people go through these kind of programs and have great success. And the reason is because there's a community around them. So if there is no sharing, then there likely isn't a community. And we are the average of the, the, you know, is a a common phrase. The, the, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So having people around us that embody that new transformed state is a critical part of us actually turning that into the you know, long term success.
0: Cool, love that. So four with a huge asterisk. That 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 five is very important. <laughs> yes. So, so started, so, so the, the high level over, so, so I wrote down inspiration. So maybe you can inspiration or motivation can be used interchangeably. So inspiration, clarity, activation, success. So inspiration is basically from my understanding, it's like, you need to actually have them motivated to achieve the result. And so is there anything else you want to add on top of that? And then, and then maybe add a little bit of meat onto the few other ones. So people can maybe apply some stuff.
1: (laughs) Totally that, you know, some of the really important thing with motivation if we like anyone with a um, that uh took uh you know psychology 101 that you know class at some point in time you know probably heard this we all have internal motivators and external motivators mm-hmm. so internal motivators are the you know i need food i need safety i need the like they're that like they are, are, um, you know, usually the like reasonably core, the, you know, motivators. Yeah. Bottom of Abraham Maslow. Exactly. And then there are the external motivators of the, the, you know, Brandon's going to be really mad at me if I don't like, if I don't show up the, you know, today for our, you know, for our talk, like we're both super excited that, and that like my, like my friend uh, Brandon is the like, who is external, that like is going to be upset or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And external motivators always connect with internal motivators. So why would I care about Brandon being mad at me? Well, because if, because I feel it, I feel ashamed if the, you know, if the, like I'm seen as the, you know, this or this, and why is that important? Well, because the, like, this isn't real, by the way, this is a, like, this is just an example, but like, why is that important? Well, because, if, you know, Brandon might tell Caitlin and then Brandon and Caitlin are mad at me and then maybe my, you know, tribe won't value me anymore and then I'll be alone outside of the, you know, tribe, you know, starving, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the chain reaction of, of things. That's on a, you know, negative side of a negative motivator. We always, you know, love positive motivators where we can instead of negative ones. But motivation is so important. And, and getting clear on that with clients, because most of the time we spend all of our time focusing on external motivators when we talk about things with clients and what's really important is we need them to connect that to the positive internal motivators hmm. of that, like usually living closer to your values that like some of the things that are still, that are still internal, but that are, you know, higher on uh, that are higher on the, like Maslow's, uh, the on Maslow's um, hierarchy of uh, uh, needs, you know, we want to connect to those positive internal motivators um, because that is when someone sees a connection, what that does is that insulates against the negative motivators that are, that that are going to create friction when they're trying to, you know, do something.
0: Hmm. Got it. Okay. So so now we have the internal, the external. And then if you want to go a layer beneath, you know, like that's where true coaches come in, is they can see the invisible. Um, and you know, Tony was already vulnerable earlier on. So sometimes you, if you do a real, real coaching session, you realize the true unconscious motivators that are also driving those internal things. And the totally. quote that comes up all the time is until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. And that's that's Carl Jung. And so um, you know, that that's a whole psychology lesson in and of itself. But you have to you have to realize that people are carrying that around your clients as well. And it is your job as a leader is if you see them hedging, if you see them holding back in certain contexts, it's your job to bring that to light because they're not going to have success with your program or your, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're working on. Like you said, this applies to a, a wide range of people. Um, and so it's just something that that is good to know that that's there, <laughs> that that sometimes it's not always you, down. but like you, you need to know that that's a part of it. So uh, love that. So once they, once and they have it, fact- the, yeah, go ahead
1: they the one more level deeper on that point, and I'm I'm so glad that you that you brought that up, Brandon. The, the like, in fact, great programs trigger people.
0: Yes, that like great programs
1: that. create that like if you're going to have a transformational program, it's almost impossible that you're not going to have people to design it in a way where people come up against adversity inside of your program. And the best programs create the safe structure inside of that so that someone can both be triggered and then experience. I was facilitating a call. Sometimes we actually work that like the, the, the work that we do the majority of the time is is in, um, is in a, a group context. Occasionally we'll take on a client where, where my team and I will actually step into their company and I take over client success for them, mostly because it is some of the most fun work that we do. And I was on a call yesterday with someone who actually had a who actually had a panic attack in the middle of the, the the of the group coaching session that we were in. Now, thankfully, you know I have that like I have training in the, like how to handle the situation. Usually, when we trigger people, it's not quite that extreme. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> um, the, but that like one of the things that we say that we say along the way, and and the you know focusing on super open communication, I think is really important um, in these kinds of processes is that you are likely going to be triggered by some of the things that I say, because I am going to say truths about success in this process. And some of those you may not like, and you may not want, mm. and like, that's okay. Cause this is all self-directed for you. You get to decide that like, which ones you ignore and which ones that like you, like which ones you pick up on and which ones you come back later and say, Hey, I was really bothered when you said that, and that makes me think there's something there. Can we explore that? Mm. And the people that are willing to do that are the ones that are going to win in this the, like in this process. The people that wanna blame it on me, it's completely fine with me. You can blame whatever you want on me, but it's not going to get you any closer to your results. And that, there's a lot of power when you're in that position where you're truly okay to be able to say that and not intending to you know, do any harm when you trigger them. But just be abundantly honest um, in a really kind way, like in a long term kind way.
0: Yeah. There's so much to that. And I think another thing for that, I always, it's a great reminder every single time, but it's like every, the next time you get triggered, it's a great thing to say to yourself, huh that's interesting <laughs> because it means there's something there, you know, like, like whatever, whatever the other person triggered or whatever they pissed you off about, it's probably because there's something inside of you that needs to be dealt with. And I think, actually, I think that like, maybe I'm just thinking about Caitlin, because I think that came up in that episode and a few other things too, but like, look at the next opportunity. And this is just kind of a, a, a micro lesson here is like next time that you are having a conversation with someone, it's an opportunity to go deeper and really evolve. And that's something that I'm always working on. And I think it's a great, great um, opportunity to grow. So we've, we've, we talked about if a client is properly motivated and then the next phase is they move into a little bit more of clarity. So, and I think from what I remember of another episode that you had done, you gave this great example of like, you know, when lots of us that have gotten the COVID vaccine, it's like, they gave us clarity as to what we were going to what we're going to ex- potentially experience. But if like, they just gave you the shot and said, good luck. And you had no idea what was going to go on. You were going to be like, what the hell? I didn't realize I was going to get a fever. You know, what's going on. So giving people clarity is so important. So hopefully I didn't steal any words from your mouth there, but is there any, anything you want to add to is like, once they're properly motivated, the next phase is, the two achieving client success is clarity. So how do you help people to do that? Totally. It, it,
1: clarity is maybe one of the hardest, um, for a lot of client leaders because of the curse of, uh, of knowledge. If we go back to the Einstein quote, um, of you can't solve a problem from the same level of thinking that created it, the reverse of that is, is oftentimes really true. Once we're living in a, a solved place, it's really hard to remember what it felt like when we were in an unsolved place. That like when we were in that pre the you know pre breakthrough time, there are pieces that we remember, and the but the exact the like the exact journey, the exact feelings that you know the clarity of that along the way, and and clarity and success that you know the second in the sequence and the fourth are really similar in this way of before you're living in that in that breakthrough point, it, broken success or things that are actually success can feel like broken success it can feel like failure but like in fact um the, you know a lot of times when you're creating something new the that like when you're creating something new whether it be for yourself or whether it's a new you know business or you know whether you're creating a new dynamic in your family that's going to be healthier um it's you're going to fail a thousand times before you reach, you know, something that feels like success. And those aren't failures unless we make them mean that they aren't really failures. They're just a new level of learning along the way, but it's that clarity to explain to someone what that journey looks like and feels like so that when they're experiencing it, they know how to contextualize those things. Mm. Um, And because so much time is lost in the feelings that things aren't working. Um, and that, you know, when we can, when we have a great leader, that's, that's, you know, walked the path that's, 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 a that's, a uh, that's, uh, beaten a path that like in front of us, that like for us, um, that is some of the most powerful, um, you know, leadership mentorship that we can, uh, that we can get.
0: Yeah. And I think the the motivation, I think lots of people have that kind of down. Like if they're gonna come into your your program or become one of your clients, they're excited about the results that they're gonna get. So like I feel like that's obviously a part of it. The real leadership is like once that initial honeymoon phase dies down of like they made the the purchase decision when they're the happiest with you, it's like, oh shit, now I gotta do stuff. <laughs> and like that's really like that's why I love is like so much about the leadership of what to expect. Like, like letting people know, hey, this is coming and you're going to feel this way, and I'm gonna tell you about it. Now and when you feel this way, I'm going to be here to help you work through it. Um, and so I think that that's like something that, like again, when we talked about from the very beginning, people forget about the fulfillment component of of fulfilling on on a promise. They they forget about you know they think about all the energy of bringing someone on. <laughs> this is why I think one of the most important things is to understand and set expectations for what people should um, know is going to be coming. So totally. love that. Yeah, okay. So, inspiration, clarity, activation. What's a, tell, let's expand a little bit more on activation. So, once somebody has clarity, they know what's coming forward. What is that activation process like? So,
1: we love to think of success. And I I I I began to say this a couple of moments ago that you know around the lead up of failures, but we like to think especially when we're throwing money at a problem. We love to think of success like a light switch. The like this is how I'm going to activate light in the room. Right. And that works because we have like because we have over a hundred years of experience as a society of sending electricity through various things to create illumination in our room. <laughs> but what we don't have is clarity around the, you know, when someone is, you know, starting a business, when they're um the, you know, this the like some of the big programs usually revolve the big four that, like, are the like money, the like generating money of some kind or you know, protecting money, um, uh, relationships, you know, finding a relationship, keeping a relationship, not wanting to kill each other when you're in a relationship, uh, the um, uh, health, um, and the you know, mindset, the like uh, mindset, spirituality, the. Um, having a deeper understanding of ourselves and of God and of the universe as we understand them. Uh, So when we're looking at those, you know, rarely does somebody meditate the, you know, once, and then a light switch flips on and, you know, suddenly they're, they're, you know, suddenly they're, uh, you know, enlightened. Rarely does somebody, you know, the same thing we could say about the, like, going to church, or to like doing something like that. They're like rarely are you gonna go one time and then be like, ah, my life's perfect. <laughs> I have complete clarity. The, the like it's a process. Um, that rarely is somebody going to learn how to be healthier for them and their body on the first try. And you know, business is the, is the most, is the easiest one to look there. And anyone that's ever been in a relationship and has ever tried to improve that relationship knows that is not going to happen on the first, the, you know, on the first go round of, of trying something new. So what is activation? It's, it's really understanding that this isn't a light switch. It's more like those psychology experiments where you press the, that where you, if anyone wants to read about something really, really interesting, look up, uh, look up operant conditioning that like where, if you hit the bar like 50 times and at just random intervals, sometimes you're gonna get a pellet that shoots out and sometimes you're not. Mm-hmm. And that's what success really is. The, you know, we've seen people in the marketing space that will post on you know social media 50 times trying to get like an organic lead to you know, like raise their hand. And then they put one thing that doesn't even seem like it applies to their business, and then a lead pops in, right? And that can be the biggest the like mind F like ever that can be the <laughs> biggest, the like confusing part that, you know, ever, but as a client leader, what our job is, is to yes, help a client understand what that looks like, but also to, to in the activation, helping them to troubleshoot results, helping them to, to, to look at everything that's happened up until now, you know, when the rubber's meeting the road and troubleshoot those results and, and, So much of when we talk about coaching, we can coach in, you know, motivation and success. Certainly if somebody joins our program and then they say, Hey, I'm, I'm really worried because I don't know that I'm motivated. That can be a warning and we can, we can coach them on that, but coaching really comes into play around success where what we really need to do is get clear on the, you know, get clear on accountability and on why isn't what you say or what you think you're going to do happening. And do that with simultaneously a non-judgment that, like, with a detachment from judgment with, with a scientific frame and just an endless curiosity to say, like, yeah, this is completely normal that, like, this is a struggle. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And the real discipline that, that comes from that is the ability to keep asking questions and not to consult Because people that are experts, like, what do they want to do? They want to tell you, they want to do exactly what I'm doing now. They want to show up and they want to say, this is the way, and this is what you need to do. But when you're helping a client, trying to really get that active, trying to get that that new behavior, that skill, that pattern to activate, zero advice. You've already taught them that like, and you can, you can go back and you can teach them later, just questions that like, just continually, because the real truth that sits in there is the client has to come to the realization that the old behavior isn't serving them. They have to come to the realization that even though they have all the tools, they're deciding not to have the result for some reason. And and so it is, you know, some of the most it is one of the most disciplined the you know things to do is to sit with someone and just keep asking questions.
0: Hmm. I see another pattern between clarity and activation and that is it I don't know the the correct word for it so I'll just kind of explain what I'm thinking, but so much of Yeah what you're talking about is really helping people to identify and put language around their experience, right? So like clarity is, you know, we were just talking about like, this is what to expect, know that this is happening, but activation, some, some people don't even see success the way that you would see it. So you have to actually remind them and put language around, Hey, this is actually what this was. (laughs) And if you, if you don't have that kind of conversation, um, you know, they don't, they don't make that connection in their brain. And that also leads to lower retention rates and all that other kind of stuff. So hopefully that kind of made sense, but that was another pattern I'm seeing between all this stuff.
1: That's a super, that that's, that's a super astute point. And, and it is, um, incredibly true in that, that someone has to, the, Someone's reality is is constructed because that's what served them. The you know maybe not their highest self, maybe not their asp- you know their highest aspirations, but it served their the, you know their deepest wants and needs. Again, to you know go back to the you know Jungian the context the that they might not even realize was what they wanted. Right? That like they might not even realize that that's what they that that like that's the reality that they actually wanted, but you know that's the reality that they've created for themselves. So being able to 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 create different languaging and recognize different things around that is really important because we're all just living in you know diet is one of the the like diet and health are are some of the most um rich places where we see this because you see things that like food that you know some people would never dream of eating some of the foods that someone might help them see are actually really healthy for them. And some people think nothing of, you know, going to eat fast food, the, you know, 10 times a week that like, that's just normal for them. They were raised that way. That was like, that's what their siblings do. That's what their friends do. And and so for someone that lives a reasonably healthy lifestyle where I haven't touched, I can't remember the last time that I've you know touched fast food. Like we're talking about two totally different experiences around that. Like if I'm talking about fast food, I'm like, ah, oh, I was in California and I got to stop at a Jack in the box and it was awful, but it was so nostalgic. <laughs> right. But for someone else that might be their daily experience. And and that's sort of an external thing, but the same thing happens with feelings. The same thing happens with the, you know, the way that people interpret the, the way that they spend time, the way, the, the way that they relate to people, the, the language that they use, and breaking that down um, in the clarity step, giving them new paradigms, new frames to see things in the clarity step is, is really important when you're
0: troubleshooting later on. Yeah, so so good. So, is success is the last step? Is that just kind of like a period? Like that's, I mean, we, I know we were just fighting against the light switch moment, right? But like, so so, is there anything else to the success step besides that's like finally when they've they've kind of achieved their goals?
1: <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if it was right? Wasn't that
0: just <laughs> the, that was like success?
1: <laughs> Cue the <Period>. confetti, right? <laughs> Cue the iMessage that you know lasers. Um. uh The so no unfortunately um and it's actually really good that it's not because we want to retain our clients we'd really love to keep our clients for longer we'd like to sell them the next thing or we'd like to stay in their world so that they can send people to us and we can build more of that community around them and so success is um success is really important and i said this a little bit earlier a lot of times success still feels like broken success hmm. and and even when people objectively achieve success. I can remember times financially where there was the struggle, you know, leading up to the financial breakthrough of sales. And I can remember having anxiety attacks around paying my bills, even when there was more money coming in, like even when I was totally fine. Right. But the muscle memory of what that felt like when I, had deeper lessons that I got to learn and I was staying in the struggle you know for a long time the muscle memory of that made it still feel like things weren't okay and so the reason why that's so important to remember and to contextualize is because just because you can check the list you know just because you can you know check the thing off plastic surgeons plastic surgery is a perfect example of this right we can fix someone's appearance on the outside we can help them reach that you know we can have a diet program that can help them reach a number on the scale we can have a business program to help them that you know reach the the financial and you know lifestyle goals that they want but they're still going to feel the way that they did before or at least they're going to come back to that equilibrium unless they've made a deeper change around that. Mm-hmm. And it's why lottery winners, you know, are, are in staggering percentages broke the, you know, in a matter of the like months in a matter of the, you know, 20, 40, I think the average was like 45 months. Um, yeah. They go broke the, you know, this is exactly why, because something on the outside has changed, but they're reality and their spirit and their way of interacting with it hasn't actually changed. So success is around helping somebody actually step into that new version of themselves, not just temporarily, not just to activate the you know, skills here and there, but to fully own that success. And then from that successful point, say, where do I want to go from here? You know, how am I going to, how am I going to reinvest the winnings? You know, now that I've used the you know diet, that like, or that I've used exercise. How am I going to incorporate the other and and fully embrace the the identity of being a of of being a healthy person who you know cares about my health at a deep level? Um, and I could go on with you know yeah. countless examples.
0: Yeah, and I would say too, like from my understanding of how you articulated it too, and my my personal you know experience is that once the you achieve the quote unquote success too, all that is it's just like an extra step on the ladder right and now you can see slightly higher than you couldn't see before and then that requires new levels of inspiration new levels of clarity another level of activation and a higher level of success and that's that's the game that we all play as entrepreneurs is that we can't see as far as we, our future selves, can see because our future selves have been able to step a lot higher in the process, and so I love this, and I love the context of that 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 you you provided this container around what to expect. So, as you're listening to this, or is there? I guess let me let me phrase it differently. If you could kind of put a bow, Tony. So we started the conversation around uh, doubling revenue based on increasing your, your lifetime value of your customer. So now that we, we understand these four steps and the fifth step being sharing that we didn't dive into as much, how can someone take these four steps and begin to increase the lifetime value of their, their experiences that they're creating for clients?
1: I think that's a great, I think that's a great question, right? The because, big one. Is it? <laughs> this is know uh, this is great. These are great ideas, right? Hopefully we've, you know, hopefully we've entertained, um, the the people listening a little bit with my stories and, um, the, but what's the point, right? How does it actually turn into something for them? And I think where that should start is the, is just a question, you know, as you're looking at your, you know, clients, the, just stick a question, just stick a question mark next to these four. And the next time that you, you know, like like pencil in a time, you know, maybe a little bit in advance, so that that you can like let it the you know sit. So stick a time on your calendar a few weeks from now, and like maybe make that reoccurring every quarter, and just ask the question of these four or five around, uh, the, the you know ask that question of the clients that are coming through. Do they seem to be motivated enough? Do they seem to have enough clarity? Do, you know, are they activating the the skills that you know are required? For them to achieve success, and are they contextualizing and interpreting success correctly? Um, and and if you if you look at that on a regular basis, it's, it's one of my my favorite um, uh, one of my favorite authors, Peter Drucker, um, is a a famed is sort of the godfather of uh, business management consulting, um, and he he has a a quote of uh, what you measure, you manage. So the, like, once you're asking those questions, even if you don't put objective measurements to them, just just pencil in the time, you know, where you have some space where you can ask the questions with a little bit of courage, right? Because if you're feeling, if you don't have clear boundaries and you're feeling under attack by clients that are upset that, that they aren't getting the best results. And we've all been there. You know, there's no seasoned client leader who hasn't sat with clients that are upset about something. The, if you. If if, if if you're not resourced and feeling strong to look at those, you know, those questions, then, then you're probably going to avoid it. But just the nature of knowing that you're coming back to that every few months, it's impossible for things not to get better.
0: Yeah. And the language that Tony has provided us today around this, I think is so important because I found lots of the big breakthroughs I've had. It's like, I had this conception of of something, but then somebody comes on and they have language that it's like, oh, that that's what I've been thinking about this whole time. I just had no way of communicating it. So hopefully this is the, some, some of you guys listening right now that have had this kind of light bulb moment where you've seen these four slash five different levels. And if you just have... like the compound effect of a small increase in all these areas, that's going to have a huge multiplication effect on all areas of your business. So now that you have this language and this container around it um, you know, hopefully you can have a lot of fun diving into the small improvements you can make. So um, Tony, I know we have just a few more minutes here, but let's end on a happy note. And that is the question that I've been asking to people lately is, is what is your understanding of what happiness means to you today, Tony?
1: Happiness is is um i think happiness is is being in the moment. i think it is having an abundantly um and i'm using that word intentionally there having an abundantly clean uh, the, you know conscience the, you know not just from from the like wrongdoing but just from you know expectation from that like from uh the you know worry and and the, you know able to that like just be. Um, I think that that is the truest form of the, like of happiness. Um, and the really cool thing is it's also possible for all of us right now, you know right now, today, in this moment. so <laughs> so I think you know, for me, the best example of that is you know I have a 20 month old daughter, um, and you know when we are doing something together, you know, it is very difficult to not be in the moment. Um, and so in, in the, you know, spending the you know, time raising her and, and the, you know, in spending time this year, you know, being on my own for, for long periods of time, raising her the it's, I noticed those feelings coming of, Oh, but I have all those emails that I have to get to. And I have these things. And, and, you know, quickly after doing that, I was able to, you know, notice that and then say, no, this is this, like, here's the boundary. This is this time I'm in the moment, like with this amazing creature, and you know, <laughs> let's go, and and so that is the the I think the I think that's the highest form of
0: happiness. Yeah, I love that. I don't want to add anything else to that. There's there's a, f- a few thoughts I had, but I would just encourage anybody. It's just like, what is that forcing function to use? Uh, since you're good on attribution, that's a Benjamin Hardy thing that I learned from. Is like, what is what is it? situation that you can set up where you just have to be present because that's going to by nature, you know, create happiness for you. So maybe it's spending time with your kids. For me, I've been, (laughs) I've been, I don't know if i talked about this in the podcast, but I've been playing lots of spike ball lately. And like, when you're playing a sport, like, like you have to be present, otherwise you're not going to like, you know, win or anything like that. So like, so like, how can you create that moment for yourself as well and find that happiness where you just have to be present? Cause that's, that is something that's so powerful. So Tony, the, the final, final question is where can people find out more about the incredible work that you have going on?
1: I, uh, the best place is, uh, uh, is, um, our podcast, uh, site. Uh, there's a bunch of, of resources and things like that. Um, there, the podcast is on hiatus right now. We'll reboot that up after, uh, we, uh, uh rack up this round of wins. We go seasonally in those. So, uh, we'll be back shortly, um, there and, uh, and we can't wait to, uh, hear, so we can't wait to hear from you. We can't wait. I can't wait to, uh,
0: to, meet, the, uh, to meet all of you in some, some form. Yeah, love that. So go check out Tony's show and give that a shot. And I just want to say to you listening right now, if you are brand new, and this is your very first episode, and you decided to hang out with me and Tony today. I'm so glad you decided to pick this conversation. You could be listening anywhere else, but you're hanging out with me and Tony, and I hope you become a regular listener and subscriber. And if you're listening, I want to say thank you, and maybe even to future Tony that re-listens to this episode. I'll just say hi to hi to future Tony if you're if you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, but like you, returning listeners are absolutely what makes this possible. I truly appreciate you and thank you. And whether you're new or returning, I have a, a huge favor to ask you, and that is something that has absolutely changed my life: is when somebody shared. A podcast episode with me. So if you've been listening to this and you've listened to how you can increase your business by increasing the lifetime value in the customer journey, or if you have a friend that really could, maybe they're grinding on all the sales but they're not keeping any of their customers. This is stuff that can absolutely change their business, and we've talked about a lot more than just that here. But please share that with them because that will absolutely help them. It'll make you look like a rock star because you'll be the friend, the cool friend that referred them. But but Tony's message is so powerful and it's a topic that needs to be shared. So please do me a favor and share Tony's message. So all that. said, uh, Tony, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast and I look forward to continuing the conversation, my friend. I can't wait, friend. See you soon. Hey, it's Brandon here again. And I have a quick favor to ask before you head off. And that is, if you are listening to my voice right now,